You are listening to the EFCA West podcast. I'm Tim Jacobs, District Superintendent and your host of today's podcast. This is episode three, and we are going to talk about one of the most important topics, I think, in any church today, the issue of reaching all of the people around you. But before we do, I got to tell you, if you haven't yet registered for the 2020 EFCA West District Conference, June 18th and 19th, you got to do it. We are going to come together. 200 plus congregations from around spanning seven states are going to come together and it's going to be fantastic. North Coast Church, great venue, great food, wonderful people, fantastic weather. You will be re-energized. You will get a chance to recalibrate your ministry vision, be with your team, and reconnect with other pastors from all over the place. I'm telling you, you're going to walk away encouraged, and you're going to walk away ready to continue the battle for what I believe, we believe, is one of the most important things that you can do. It's really, really what our movement is about, the Evangelical Free Church of America, because we really started as a an, a mission, a movement to try to get the word of God, the gospel into the hearts and lives of all of the people around us. And, and so because of that, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I have in the studio with me one of, the, one of our staff members who is really responsible for that in many ways. Of course, we're all responsible for it, but he's the one who's driving the, the vision for what we call all people. And so we got Alex Rivera with us. Alex, how's it going? Hey, good morning. Buenos dias. I'm doing fine. Thank you. All right. It's great to be with you today. So I tell us, what is your title? What is your role here in our district? Well, my, my role basically is to, uh, we, we, I have a few uh, things that I do, uh, mostly uh, ethnic congregations, uh, Tim. I, I work with all of them. We have uh, around 45 congregations that are more, you know, Hispanics and Asians. And uh, I also oversee the multicultural uh, congregations. There is churches that are, uh, we can call it multicultural. They have a lot of uh, ethnics in their, con- in their midst. Uh, also uh, oversee the multicultural church planting. And uh, we, we, we dream, you know, that all the, ch- the church planting coming up in the future has some element of the multicultural, uh, especially in the south, Southwest. United States. Um, also, very special attached to my heart is the special need uh, mm. ministries that I oversee and trying to flourish and develop. Yeah, I want to make sure we go back to that at some yeah, point because yeah. I don't think that's something that people know that we even even consider. Even, yeah, or, or even I, are a part of. Yeah. So, you know, because really when we talk about all people, and, and again, I, I think that one of the things that our denomination has acknowledged over the past few decades is that, you know, we started as a, as a, obviously a, you know, Swedes and Norwegians and that sort of thing. And uh, we started as an immigrant um, yes. movement, mm-hmm. right. And, and came to America and there's all kinds of history. In fact, the history, and I've been telling people that, that I've been going through the process of ordination myself with EFCA, because I have not been ordained in the EFCA. So if you're not ordained with the Evangelical Free Church of America, don't, 
feel bad, just do something about it. Because <laughs> we have only about hmm. 40% of our pastors are ordained EFCA. <laughs> yes. And we have a great opportunity to be able to really help people understand um, kind of the roots of who we are and and our DNA and that sort of thing. But but we really we did start as as a movement of immigrants coming to the United States. Mm -hmm. And I think as as time went on, then we realized obviously it was kind of a predominantly Caucasian, you know, movement. And the ethnic landscape of the United States is changing. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, um, if you just look at the statistics and uh, look at the census projections, uh, they they were actually thinking that about 2050 to do to that it's going to be a change. But they actually, as as we go into the future, uh, they they actually move it down to uh, basically 2045, 2040. Now it's, it's 2035. You know that's that's actually. Uh, uh, 15 years from now, you know that, and that where the minority will be majority, uh, and and you know and young is uh, millennials and all these new generations coming up, uh, they're coming ethnic mm -hmm. and taking, like like I will tell you, California is already majority minority in, in population, and uh, what is that to say to us as a church? You know, I, I do believe that the future of the church in America is. Is, is in that direction, and we have to take action right now. We cannot wait 15 more years, 20 more years to do that. It's already rapidly changed in our congregations. Right, and so I think that the, what's at issue for us and what we're going to talk about today is for a lot of our EFCA churches, um, especially in the Southwest, I mean, they have been um, in areas that are undergoing dramatic ethnic change to where yes. I think a long time ago when these churches started, they started with a vision to reach all, they did start with a vision to reach all the people around them. Mm -hmm. And by and large, a lot of them did a great job. Mm -hmm. And and it's not really anything anyone could have expected that all of a sudden the way that I'm doing ministry or even, even my assumptions about the people that live around me are no longer valid because you know, some, some uh, one family moves out of a house and another family moves in that doesn't speak that same language, doesn't come from that same culture. And so the things that, that we're continuing to do as churches, we just continue to do them because that's what makes us, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. It's how we know how to do things. And, and then maybe we scratch our heads going, wow, I live in a community that's, you know, it's totally built out that, that, that is very densely populated even if it's in suburbia, especially in Southern California and mm -hmm. certainly in Northern California, the, the property values are unbelievable and, and people continue to move in as crazy as the taxes are. I mean, I live in Arizona and so mm -hmm. we get a lot of people that are moving from California. I, I when in Arizona, I told our church, I said, you know, we got people coming from every, every border uh, in Arizona. You got them coming from the West, from the East, from the North and from the South. And, and they're coming here. And, but it, like in the case of California, for example, people are still moving in and, and they're not going to necessarily speak the language, or even if they do, they're not going to have the same cultural ties, and maybe, maybe they won't respond to ministry uh, the way that we're doing it in the same way. So, so we, I want to get down to some, some kind of specifics in terms of what EFCA West can offer to come alongside and help churches that recognize this and say, gosh, what do we do? Do we, do we change everything? Do we... Do we have to, like, how do we address this problem? I want to talk 
specifically about what EFCA West can do, what you can do to help come alongside our churches, because that really is one of our roles here. That's one of the things that we do. But before we do that, I'd just like to get into a little bit of your background. So, I mean, tell us, tell us kind of like where you come from and a little bit of your, your story. Well, I I was born in Caracas, Venezuela, and um, I came to the U.S. in 1991 as an adult. Um, I work with the Evangelical Free Church in Venezuela. I actually Mm. have a Mennonite background, too. That's where I came. Uh, And uh, I married Nancy. Uh, She was a missionary from, uh, actually from Burbank, EV Free. Uh, She was there uh, helping, uh, serving with the uh, missionary kids in down in Venezuela, and that's how we met. And uh, well, that's a, that was uh, uh, 28 years ago. So we wow. we have been married, have three adult children. We actually live in Thousand Oaks, California. Um, and I, I led a past uh, Hispanic congregation at the Bridge Evangelical Free Church uh, for the last 17 years uh, outside of working with the district. And that has been a great experience for, for me. Uh, as a as a congregation, language specific congregation within a Anglo church, mm-hmm. so we do, I do have that experience in my own life. Uh, it's a, it's a it is a, a lot of the churches are afraid to to even explore. But I, I I'm telling you, Tim, it's, it's no, it's an adventure. It's part of the Great Commission, and that's why we're here to to help uh, churches to go in that direction. But I have been working with the EFCA West uh, for seven for the last seven years, and uh, I'm having fun. This is an adventure. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. So, so you you yourself. I mean, you you were born in Venezuela, and you came to this country, and um, so you've had to experience kind of just the whole you know adjusting to a new culture and and all that and the language and everything else. Yeah, and uh, can you imagine Southern, Southern California is. Is a challenging because the demographics changes quickly, and uh, you know, to a point, you think, okay, well, I just have to learn English, and, and I'm going to deal with Anglo-Saxons, you know, Anglo congregations. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and and the one thing I always tell the his, the, the lead pastors, Anglo pastors, is look, you no, know, get out of your building and look around, <laughs> you know, because one of the principles that we deal with is that the church. To represent the community where they are, and you know there is a you know if if you actually go outside, go to the supermarket, or go into the movie theater, and you begin you know that you suddenly you begin to see uh, different uh, skin colors, you know people coming around you, and sometimes there was you know speaks other languages you can hear them, or uh, sometimes it's not even the language; it's just a it's a cultural thing, you know you. Your community becomes more multicultural, and uh, and that should be reflecting on the church. You want Church of Jesus Christ, especially the EV Free Church, to be a a, a, a house, a, a refuge, uh, a place where people can come and listen about Jesus and and be represented. People feel that it is it is important for our churches to be in that direction. Well, I I love what you just said. Go to the supermarket and look around and see who's there mm-hmm. and then ask yourself, does that look like my church? Because mm-hmm. the supermarket or the movie theater or the mall, or the mall the- are, are, are places where, where that, that everybody needs to go to. 
And these businesses are are targeting the people that are around them in that area too, because they have mm-hmm. to in order to survive. And so they're taking that into account. But these are these are universal places that people will, will need yeah. to come together even, to buy food. Uh, and, even uh, um, in my area in Thousand Oaks, Ventura County, the I we began to hear uh, commercials in TV in Spanish, mm. and like. Wow, what is going on? You know, well, they they know their market. You know, their marketing. That's and right. So that that gives you an indication that hmm, there's something going on here. You know. Yeah, they're not dummies. They they know <laughs> they're like we're, we're not just trying to you know be. We don't have this idealism about what should be like. Oh, we just want to. They're doing this because they they believe it will result in profit for but, them and it's survival. The demographics are changing because the demographics are changing. So I I want to talk a, a little bit about then what. Um, what it looks like for for us because because even a lot of churches might say okay well that's fine but we kind of know that birds of a feather flock together i mean the old saying is that the most segregated day of the week is sunday and because because those the the people that that tend to you know they speak the same language and i can understand i mean i can understand you go to a place and people tend to gravitate towards places where they feel that the people around them are the most like them and yet and yet our, our mission is even rooted biblically into kind of trying to break that down, right? How, what would you say about that? Well, the, um, I, I do believe that we need to follow the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. The Great Commission is that you go and make disciples to all nations. Now, you know, historically, United States, I mean, I'm, I'm a product of a mission work, you know, back mm-hmm. in Venezuela. Uh, I, I know uh, somebody... A missionary went to, to Venezuela and presented the gospel to the people, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm a product of that. I mean, historically, the U.S. went out with missionaries, and they're still going, you know, presenting the gospel to all nations, uh, fulfilling the, the Great Commission. But we now, things have changed in the sense that all the nations are coming to us. Mm-hmm. So... Is is uh, is it's a decision that we have to make, and we are we're gonna keep just uh, monocultural. And and you know, Tim, there is there is communities in 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 the U.S. that are you know majority monocultural, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would say you know just stay the way and just keep keep going. But if you are a church in Southern California, Central Valley, Bay Area, Phoenix, you know, Phoenix is growing multiculturally like like crazy. Uh, even Albuquerque, in San Diego, can you imagine, you know, uh, that you need to be aware, at least aware and pray and see if, you know, be sensitive to, to actually continue to uh, fulfill the mandate of, you know, presenting the gospel to all nations. And we really should be the ones at the forefront of that. We shouldn't be trailing behind mm-hmm. because in a, and I think today, and it's no secret that we have, divisions that that are perpetuated by the media that are perpetuated by uh, the even politics and that sort of thing with with all of the immigration stuff that that's out there and 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 you know there's a lot of this it's a complicated issue and you and I have talked about things and mm-hmm. and and even I th- even your uh, your opinions on that are it's hard to it's it's like no you can't put anyone in a box on these kinds of issues because we're all individuals and and when we see things different even even like for example as a as a white guy you know 
It's like it's not just like there's the white people and there's the Hispanic people. I mean, you're from Venezuela. That's a different deal than someone who comes here from Mexico. Yes. Yeah. It's not like you guys are just going to be buddy buddy because you know you both came south of the border, right? Yeah, and we need to understand that too. Being you know part of part of my part of, part of what I do with churches is to bring a, a, a you know a cultural intelligent workshop because. Uh, most of the people think that because I speak Spanish, I'm Mexican, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, or Mexicans are all, you know, all Central Americans are Mexican. I mean, there is a, a geography <laughs> uh, misunderstanding of, uh, so uh, you, you, you come from Puerto Rico, are you make, you know, what part of Mexico is that, you know? And uh, so that's part of our, what we educate and we present that's the fact. Um, so and, and somehow I, I, I am a, I became an expert on all these you know different you know regional and nations that all speak Spanish, and sometimes we call it like Hispanics you know, and some some people will be offended by that. They will call it Latinos. We are Latinos. We are Latin Americans. We're not from Spain. Uh, what about the people from from South America? The Brazilians? Well, they don't speak Spanish. Uh, so, so for somebody who doesn't have the the, the time to study that, is it, it, it really it sounds scary, you know? Like, oh my, I'm gonna be opening my door to to what, you know? And I'm, I'm gonna have to go back to school and get a, a degree in, in cross cultural studies or something. Well, no, because we that's what we're here. Uh, that's part of the, what the EFCA West uh, staff does. You know, we we come and alongside. The, the pastor and the elders and the leadership to to help them to this transition. Yeah, and that's important to know. This is not, it can be very intimidating uh, to a lot of people, you know, say, how, how in the world am I going to figure all this out? It's really not that difficult. Let's shift gears then and talk specifically about what you do and, and, and the approach that EFCA West is, is recommending and is trying to catalyze in our churches, and it's been very successful, and it's very unique, I think. So, because there's there, there's obviously for decades has been okay. You have like an Anglo church, for example, and then they, what they'll do is they'll rent their facility out to a Hispanic congregation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, and and that's got some advantages for the Hispanic congregation because they can have a place to meet, and then they usually pay some kind of rent or whatever. But really, they become a tenant, right? And, mm-hmm. and then there's, and then there's not really a whole lot of communication that goes on because they're there in the afternoon or they're yeah. there some other day or two churches using one property. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Is that, is that what we're after here? Is that what we mean by trying to reach all people? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, you can, you can have the model, you can have a independent, uh, ethnic, uh, congregation or church going, uh, you can, yeah, some, some churches actually do that. Uh, it's becoming a minority, though. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the churches are thinking, okay, um, it, it is, you know, the, you, you meet in the afternoon or the evening. We don't, we never see you. We just see your check coming in every, you know, and and uh, but you know, there is. Oh, That's there not is, really what it's, we're. It's after. not really what we are at. It's yeah. not what I recommend. We we do have some churches like that, and they're actually, but it's it's. Uh, uh, if you want you want to talk about this, the models that we I do to want do? to talk about the okay. models because yeah because it 
this is this this is where I th I'm really personally very excited yeah. about the direction that we're headed here. So yeah, tell us about the models. Well, let me let me go back a little and tell what we do before we get to that point. Uh, if you are listening to this uh, and you want to get more information, you can uh, email me uh, Alex dot rivero at efca.org mm -hmm. that's my email and uh, and then that is the first thing you need to do you are before you actually do anything just co contact me i'm more than, than happy to come and serve because that's what we exist to serve you uh we uh, i will make a phone connection a phone call with the lead pastor or the elder appointed to this uh we will do a demographic study most of the churches have already done it, but we actually confirmed that this is uh, that you you know your your your, your population is, is changing and is becoming more majority. I mean, you you see people around that are Hispanics. Um, then I will have a meeting with the elders and the lead pastors together. I will actually drive to that place. Well, we had we had done it. It's not this is something that is happening already mm. in our district. With our churches, then uh, and and if if the elders are on board and they think that because the lead pastor and the elders need to be on board, with mm -hmm. this, they need to know we don't want to be doing for, forcing things to, they they have to be on board. Then we will I will spend like four or five hours in a cultural uh, intelligence workshop that I have prepared. I put it together. It's um, very good. I've been uh, I've been to it. We, we did it in, in Phoenix. In we did. In your it was church. fantastic. Um, and that is open to the elders, to the staff, to the leadership teams. I mean, because everybody needs to be aware and on board and pray fully uh, in this process. And then uh, we will actually begin to working at, and this is what is uh, is cool because uh, I I come along with this church and with my experience, and we can actually customize. Uh, a, a pastor's profile for them because uh, like I told you it depends it's, you have a lot of a population who's heavily Mexican or origin for the from Mexico and it's okay so that that will affect who are you hiring to do the church planting if it's Southern California which is, is a diverse you know you have Central American Salvadorians um, you know every everyone then that it needs to be a different profile so it, it changes mm -hmm. and that's where i come and, 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 and i come handy you know to 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 give the expertise and then we begin the process and in you know i a part of my 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 commitment with the church is i i will pastoral profile we actually will recruit for them mm -hmm. and uh and we coach them through the first 12 months uh um, that's part of my commitment so really there is there is a great opportunity for success on this absolutely um, and then what we always recommend and this is the model that we recommend to them uh, uh, across the uh, actually not just the EFCA West is actually going across the, all the Hispanic ministries mm -hmm. in the EFCA in the United States is the model of the language specific congregation okay language specific congregation those that's important that's yeah. important because that's different than oh we're gonna go plant a Hispanic church Yes. Why did we say language-specific congregation? Well, there's a through my years of experience planting at my own church, I, I figure that uh, there is going to be a first generation that, that we, like my, uh, myself, I am first generation. 
but I am going to find out, uh, you know, 1.5 generation, which is our people who were born in Latin America, raised in the U.S. Then you will have their kids, which is actually the f second generation, mm -hmm. and their grandkids. So, so you want you want to be very successful on reaching out to the whole family. You want the whole family to come. That's right. And so, when we talk about language specific, it's basically you will have a a a, a, a church where we have a English service and a Spanish or or Mandarin or Korean, you know depending what you're reaching, because not just Hispanics, mm -hmm. uh, a service on a Sunday. And guess what? The second generation, third generation, who in the reality is that they would prefer English, they will go to their, you know, to the youth programs. They will join the kids' programs, because it's no, language is not uh, a limitation. They, they are bilingual. See, and that is the genius of this strategy. And I want to make sure everybody understands it because this is worth the whole price of listening to this podcast. The genius of this is that when you start an adult service in a language that is commonly spoken by the people who live around you, it's an instant opportunity to blow open into a brand new market that already exists right where you are. Yes. And when I say market... I mean people who need to hear the gospel, a whole new segment, a whole new people group who you would have been previously unable to even reach. And when you get them to start coming, when they see, when they say, hey, I'd, I'd love to come, mm -hmm. then what, and this is, this is the thing that I think people don't understand because no one talks about this, is that most first generation immigrant mm -hmm. people They'll retain their language, yes. but they don't. They want their kids to learn English. Of course. And why do they want their kids to learn English? Well, because they're Americans. Exactly. <laughs> they, they're growing up here, and uh, and that's exactly. You know, but and they, so, but, but they want them at church with them. That's the key. Okay. Uh, they so, want to take them to church yeah. and take them to a church where they can they can it can be spoken in English. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, we had a woman in our church who who came up in the first day. She was there. She was with her husband. And she said, and they both said, hey, we really like this church. And they were a Hispanic couple. They said, we really like this church, but we probably won't go here because I can understand you pretty well, but I can't speak English very well. And so I won't be able to relate and develop the relationships that I need for the people. And when she said that, because we had been talking about it for a while, but when she said that, I thought, you know what, that's, that was the trigger point for me because I said there had been enough couples like that in my area who had said, we resonate with what you're doing. We, we, we like you. We resonate with the, the vision and the mission and the, the vibe, you know, the mm -hmm. feel of the church. We like it, but the language is the barrier. And I think the reason why the other thing that's, that's great about the phrase language specific congregation you know, we abbreviated LSC, but the 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 reason that we we're, we're staying on that is because it's not about ethnic. It's not like oh, you know, if you're if you're a Hispanic, you go to that service. No, mm -hmm. if you want to hear this service in Spanish, and and yes. there maybe there's some cultural things that go along with that, obviously. Yes. But it's not like oh, you're not this skin color, you can't come to this service. We're not trying. It's not that's not the the issue is. Is, is we're trying to break down the barriers of language 
mm-hmm. right? Yes. So that we can in, then incorporate as many people. And then the children of these families come and are integrated with the English speaking children because it's all because all the children's ministry is English speaking. Yes, and the youth. And the student ministry. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it, it, it happened to my, it is happening in my own church now with the second, third generation, you know, because uh, we have been there for 15, 15 16 years. Mm-hmm. And you can see the beauty of uh, Sunday morning because we, we actually at the bridge where I serve right now, um, we, we, we have both services at the same time in different buildings, but at the same time. So the children can just come in and join the, you know, the, the Sunday school uh, kids, uh, the, the children's uh, activities and classes, Sunday school classes, and the youth, middle school, high school meets in the evening, but they, they're doing the same. Um, but you, the beautiful is that you can see coming from the parking lot, you know, you can see the whole family, but you know, Hispanics are a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they will actually increase your, your church population 30% <laughs> automatically, you know? Right. Uh, so you can see, but you can see the grandma, the abuelita, abuelito, you know, the grandpa and the grandma going to the Spanish uh, service because that's their heart language. Mm-hmm. They pray in that language. Mm-hmm. And then you can see mom and mom and dad, you know, the, the kids, the young, you know, the mom and dad coming to listen to to Tim Jacobs in, in English because that's what they prefer. And the kids, you know, is that's home for the kids. And they just... They, they just, they're already integrated, you know, by nature. Absolutely, because they're already integrated at school. So family, you can see, you can, and yeah, I, what I see now in, in our church, in, in the English service, you, you have more Hispanics, families coming in, into the English service. And uh, because we are one church, mm. doesn't matter. It's the same message, customized to the reality of the immigrant, you know, first generation, but it's the same passage. And uh, everybody was kind of going home and think, talking about the same, same passage, you know? So it, it, it works. And again, this is a model that leverages the churches that we already have. And so really what, what, cause we, when we talked about this a while ago, we looked at, said, what are the options that we have when it comes to you know, second language church planting or Spanish speaking church planting or Mandarin church planting, whatever you want to call it. Um, and one of them obviously is, you know, like you said, the rental facility thing. Like we don't want to do that because that, that just doesn't seem like it, it, it fits. The no. other thing was standalone. We said, you know, what about starting a standalone um, Spanish speaking church? Um, but what are the, what are the challenges that come along with that? Cause you know, some people might go, why don't you just start your own Spanish-speaking church. I mean, they have plenty of those, but what are the challenges that that are are inherent in those, and how can our model actually uh, be a better fit for a lot of people? Well, think about them. How much money it will cost to rent your own building? Mm-hmm. Um, just think about the Anglo congregation that are struggling to get up their own property. Now, put that in the immigrant, you know, in the immigrant, uh, you know, income, <laughs> household income. Uh, is is uh, is not actually a very cost effective, you know. You you know is is at least in my area in the Ventura County, that's almost impossible, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the uh, you know the 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 beautiful things of uh, you can you are hired to do Hispanic ministries, for example, and you have a support staff. 
you have an administrator people who who help you you become that pastor became becomes a, a part of a, a bigger team that will keep him accountable that will pray for him that they, he feels like he's part of that because part of the complaints from standing alone churches is that I feel lonely nobody you know nobody comes to me Alex you're the first one to come and visit me in month and say well you know um, you you know you can actually join another church and and, and do some more cost effective uh, and the the biggest challenge outside of the economical the financial um, the most challenging thing is that the Hispanics are losing because if you keep it Spanish only, eventually you will lose second, third generation. Yes, and and that's and that's the problem that they have. That's why that's why I think the model of starting the the Spanish speaking congregation, the yeah. language specific congregation, in a for example an Anglo church, that's where it makes sense because. Because then you you're taking care of the massive felt need, which is I want my kids to be in an English speaking environment, and the second generation doesn't doesn't have that in a standalone Hispanic church. No, no. and uh, they will actually die. You know, the congregation begin to age out, and um, unfortunately, it's happening. And mm-hmm. uh, but it's you know, like I I told you, we we're not gonna be. Hopefully, we're not investing too much time on those in the future because I, I do believe the integrated model uh, is it is you know some some Hispanics they say well this is it's very difficult to deal with you know it was a bigger congregation but it's, it's worth it's not that difficult it is worth the the integration and I most of my challenge is uh, hey we do it because of our kids I I want my kid to serve the Lord in Spanish or in English whatever you know whatever language it is, but I want them to be serving and, you know, plugging in a congregation. Well, absolutely. And even, even in our own, you know, in the free church heritage and history, they spoke originally, they would speak, you know, Swedish, the Swedish language or whatever. And, but, but even in the history, they got to the point where they knew they wanted to survive. They, they actually had to start holding services in English and that's what they did. And then eventually they just stopped speaking the native language altogether. And so really for these churches to survive, I think what's happening is immigration is continually, maybe continuing to fuel these churches because there's just enough Spanish-speaking people who are coming here yes. to, to maybe keep, keep those going. But, but from a generational standpoint, if that were to be cut off, in a sense how it was, like you know, it's not like millions and millions of Swedes were, have been coming to America for the last hundred years. If that were the case... You probably could still kind of fill in those populations of you know Swedish speaking, but they had to get to the point where they said we can't do this anymore. We have to make that transition. Yeah, we're we're allowing that. That's a natural thing that's going to happen anyway. So we're planning for a continuing immigrant population. And really, you know, I think about it too because there is a lot of angst that you know the Anglo, uh, or at least you know not just Anglo people, but it's 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 Americans in general. You know, there's there's a lot. It, 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 the immigration is a hot button issue, and for those who are concerned, and I think it's a legitimate concern. You have people coming to the country who don't know the language and they don't know the culture. They don't know what it means to be an American, right? And so I think there's a lot of concern of like, hey, we're we're going to let these people into our country. We're going to give them services, and we're going to do all these things, and then they're going to get a chance to vote, and then they could 
they could vote in ways that are contrary to you know how our nation was founded or they're going to leave the problems of their country and come over and bring those problems here and so there's all these concerns that aren't altogether illegitimate i think i think those are real issues however what i love about this model too especially when we talk about hispanic congregations is that this addresses that and, and says no our church actually has a process of enfolding people welcoming them to our country welcoming them to our our uh, our city because they're already here so you might as well be proactive and and this is a way of really loving the family and giving the families what they want which is the opportunity to have their kids integrate mm-hmm. into the culture that's really what they want i don't I, it would be insane for a family who has immigrated here to America to say, oh, I'm going to keep my kid sheltered away from the the culture that is going to make them successful. And I think it's important that we understand that. And and also that we understand that, you know, I, I saw this, I remember I was with my wife and, and we were um, going into the parking lot and it was to the, we were going to the movies and, you know, there's been so much talk, you know, in popular culture about you know, overpopulation and there's, you know, people in Western Europe that are vowing that they're not going to have children because they're going to want to ruin the environment. And so the birth rate has been steadily falling in the West for, you know, generations. And to, you know, if you don't have 2.1 kids per woman on average, you are in decline. And that's just what all the demographers say. So if you're below that as a nation, you start having all these long-term problems. And, and, and I've known this for a while, just reading stuff. And so we're pulling into the parking lot and I see a Hispanic family and, and they're all walking towards movie theater. And it was like a mother. And we, let, we were letting them cross because they were walking in front of us. And it was a mother. It was a father and a mother and like five kids. And it was kind of like, you know, that picture where they, each one was smaller, you know. And, and I looked at my wife and I said, that's where, that's our community. That's our changing community. Because the, the, a lot of the white people are like, well, we don't want to have any kids because we don't want to mess up the, the ice, <laughs> the polar ice sheets. And I think the Hispanics are like, who cares about that? We're going to have kids because whether there's a Catholic, you know, thing that's rooted in there or just a desire to say just a cultural thing that has. So the population in and of itself, it's just, it's just clear as day. And by the way, these children are going to be the ones that grow up and they're going to be the ones that, that are going to be uh, in the workforce, in the labor force, in the voting block. And, and they are available right now to be ministered to, mm-hmm. to be reached. And they and, and I would say a lot of that they want that. They're, they're, they want to be welcomed into our churches yeah. if we just provide a place. Am I right about that? Yeah, and I, I, part of the challenge I, I give the Hispanics, uh, pastors and leaders, is that we, um, you know, yeah, if, if we go and make the, uh, this is a, a, a political issue, then, then we lose track of what we need to do. Uh, either way, in the Anglo side or the Hispanic side. Um, you know, most of the most of the reaction is okay. We're going to be majority. You know, all those kids coming in, they are the ones going to be in charge of this country in in forty, you know, 20, 20 years from now. And uh, and we, you know, and some of the pastors react to that. And say, hey, yes, we, you know, uh, we we are taking over. You know, uh, mm. they make it a political. And I say, you know what? Uh, that is not the issue. Uh, we should be worried about that. Those kids. That are going to be majority in our in our in the United States of America. Uh, it's not it's not a language issue. It's not a political. It's a generational uh, challenge that we have because we want them to be in our churches and actually 
I'll be happy, I mean, more than blessed that when I am older, I know that these kids actually fear God, you know, in their decision making. That's right. And that's what we want. And we, but it has to start right now. Tim, if this is happening, you know, we can actually say no and, and avoid this and close our, do- uh, our church doors and, and move to the, to, to the north, you know. But the truth is it's happening and it's going to happen. It's a tsunami coming in. It's just basically how you're going to be prepared for. And, uh, and it's like to be active, active right now. This is a present issue. Yeah, and I think that's, you, you just really hit that and it's important to emphasize that. It doesn't, reality doesn't care about how you feel. Uh-huh. Reality is reality. And, and I don't think, what, what I love about this is that no one is asking, to, in order to solve this or in order to engage this, this, this changing demographic issue, which is, by the way, ordained by God. I mean, it's, it's a, we have a sovereign God who, who says, be fruitful and multiply. He's the one who determines you know, all, the, the time and place that you're born. And so the fact mm-hmm. that you're that you're in the West or wherever you are, there could be people listening to this podcast who are outside of EFCA West. Chances are, if you live in the United States of America, this is an issue. Uh, it's for some, for in in some part, in, in, in any part of America, there is a there is a changing population going on. Just about. So I want to ask you a few things about this though, because what what are the it, because we, we you would say, wow, wouldn't this be amazing? Because if you have a church of a couple hundred people, maybe it's a couple thousand people, this could be a huge growth engine for your church. And 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 again, I, I, I don't mean that like you just do it for that reason. Like, oh, cool, this is a chance for me just to be more successful. But this is something that can breathe a lot of life into your church. That being said, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen that churches make when they when they start going down this road what are some just kind of like oh duh we shouldn't we shouldn't do this if you're going to set out you know what well, are some there's things? there's three uh major mistakes there's okay. more than that but there's <laughs> we're going to concentrate on three uh first one is we already just we just talked about this first one is just to to choose the wrong model you know okay. oh, we're just gonna rent because we need the money or we're just gonna rent, and uh, you know, it's a tenant, and they will do their own thing. And uh, most of the time that they connect is when the, the children's broke something, broke a window, and and you know there is a property damage. And that <laughs> uh, boy, that's a great way of building, you know, unity, right? <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, so they they you know they just do something like that, and they say, well, let's let's change it now. It's, it is it can be changed. It is difficult, okay, because uh, most of the people that will rent from you, Hispanics or any other ethnic, uh, they're they're telling you that they don't want to be with you. I mean, they just want to do their own thing, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I I, hey, more power to you. I that's something that you can do, uh, but we won't even even we as an EFCA or myself, I don't even I won't even try anything there because you know you already basically you just got your building occupied yeah by another tenant yeah we're not really interested in, in we're, that. we're not really interested unless unless it's a you know the hispanic want to affiliate with us all right well then something is worth the conversation you know right uh, but i think the, the the second biggest mistake uh tim is that they ra- they actually hire the wrong guy they they go on and they hire a hispanic pastor um, 
without actually uh, doing a, you know, like where don't where where this guy come from? Where is his uh, uh, theological background? Because they show up at your church, that doesn't mean that he will be the pastor. Mm. Uh, is he a team player? Is he a, a long you know long ranger? Uh, he wants to do his own ministry. He wants to build his own kingdom. Is, is there any interest on him to be integrated? Uh, so, so what happened to that is a, a few churches in the past they hire somebody, and a year into their, you know, they kind of realize that oh, this is not what we wanted to with him, or there is a miscommunication on the language, and they and the Hispanic begin to isolate himself and become his own thing, you know. Um, then they call me. <laughs> when it's uh, uh, and it's just about too late. Yeah, when they say, "Well, Alex, can we? Can you come and fix him?" He said, well, "No, I'm first. I'm not Jesus, <laughs> not God. <laughs> I cannot change anybody." Yeah. And w- what normally happens is that that person leave. You know, when they're trying to do some changes. The the third one is that they won't. They don't have a clear strategy or purpose. So why? Why are we? What are we doing this? You okay. know. And uh, so, and you can provide that. You, you, all, you guys, you step in. You can help them figure all those, those three. Out. We can help, right? And uh, the only thing that takes is, will you please contact us first? I, I love that. Before I love that. you make any decision, I'm telling you, you have to. And and even if you're unsure, because you may be listening to this, going, yeah, I just don't know if our pastor, if you're not the lead pastor, if our lead pastor will go for this, or if you're an elder. May, or maybe you're just going, I don't know if this is if this is us, but I really want to encourage you to reach out because that's why we're here. We are a family and we are a movement. We have a we have a vision of it that that we would see in Acts what would they saw in Acts 16, 5, that the churches the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in number daily. And you should know that the EFCA, when we count churches, we don't just count church buildings. We count congregations. That includes sites. That includes, you know, the, the 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 groupings of people who come together to worship and make the name of God known all over the place. So, then, what? Tell me a couple of success stories, or at least one. Tell, tell me one story that you're like, man, this is. If I could see this happening around the district, around the West, I mean, I'd really see this as the as the turning point where we could. We could say, "Wow, God's doing some amazing stuff." What 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 have you seen that's that's gone really well? Are we actually saying names of churches, or or? Hey, if the, it, well, there is a church in Utah, you know, okay. that I work with them. They 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 did it right. I'm, let's put it this way: great experience to share. Um, and they uh, bef- even before they have any concept of they they were. They had a concern. They began to see people different color in their community in Utah, of all places. In Utah, of all places. <laughs> Who knew? And uh, and that uh, and that church began to wonder: hmm, Should we be doing something and uh, about this? So, and guess what? They contact me. Exactly what you know that we dream about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I came along, and it took it took almost uh, eighteen months. For the process, and okay, I, that's important to know. Eighteen yeah. months. Yeah. This is, yeah. So this isn't overnight. This is not an overnight. No, and uh, because I work, I work with them since the beginning of the concept. We did the demographics, and I thought, okay, 
it, it justifies there is enough Hispanics in this city to to reach out to do something. Uh, most of their concerns, the elders' concern was, is our church ready for this? Mm-hmm. That was their concern. Yeah. And that's a valid It is a valid concern. concern. Absolutely. And so we began the process of, you know, training, you know, meeting, again, the the phone call, the talk with the senior pastor, the 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 pastor who was the community pastor who was in charge of this, the the you know, several visits, you know, for me, traveling up to Utah, uh, to have the meetings. But that's that's what we do. That's what we're here to serve. And um so, and then I began, once we identified that, yes, we want to do it, we did the, the cultural intelligence workshop. We, they read the books that I asked, they recommend. I mean, they, they, they went by the book. Mm-hmm. Just what we just said this morning. And, uh, and I recruited for them. We went for a profile. We talked hours and hours uh, praying with them. Uh, they already have a group of Hispanics there that wanted to do something about it. And uh, I met with them too. And I began to coaching, coaching. And guess what? We found a, a person that wanted to, uh, we found a Hispanic pastor, a successful Hispanic pastor planter that actually wanted to move to Utah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, Hispanics are afraid of the, the cold, you know. <laughs> uh, but he was willing, and, and um, we do believe that was a, a beautiful uh, process. Yeah. And uh, as today, they already have, they have a Hispanic pastor, and they have a group of about 30 Hispanics already having uh, previews and meetings and love it. And I said, that is a successful story. And you know what? I mean, again, I look at that and go, that's, that's us. Like that's, that's who we are. That's what we should be doing. And our, our mission statement is multiplying transformational churches among all people, all people. So, okay. In the last few minutes we have here, tell us about the disability uh, your heart for, for, for when we talk about all people, that doesn't just include, you know, multi-ethnic and all that kind of stuff. But, but within our various uh, ethnicities, there are people with disabilities. Talk about, talk about that. Well, uh, to begin with, disability doesn't see race, ethnic, or uh, financial, or if you're a black or Asian or white or African-American, Indian, Native American. Disability is a, you know, it's actually one of the less, uh, it's, it's a huge, let's put it this way, disability uh, population is one of the least rich for Christ mm. in the world, you know. Um, I might be wrong, but I was doing a count of, of our 200 and some churches that we have in the ESCA West, and, um, and we only have probably less than 10 ministries that are, uh, in our churches, um, directed to disabled children or adults, and that actually uh, saddened my my heart because that's part of you know, uh, I you know we have you know Johnny and friends you know they 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 actually really you know you want to know more about that you need to take those uh, you need to get contact Johnny and friends, and they have you know disability ministries. And uh, they have different classes that they can teach training sessions that, that I actually took them. And I kind of realized uh, that uh, people, people love the disabled, you know, the special needs. Mm-hmm. The, the issue is that we don't know what to do with them yeah. in our congregations. Yeah, and there's, there's avenues. So that's another thing where if, 
Because I, I know in my town, they had a statistic one time that said one out of every 10 families has a special needs mm-hmm. child. And so if you, if you don't have a mechanism to engage, serve, and incorporate and take care of that special needs child, you are missing 10% just right, just off the top alone. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that the other thing is there's just not a lot of churches that, like you said, that are doing it. So if you're, if, again, if you're looking for like, boy, how, how can we, because it's easy to sit there and go, well, we're tapped, you know, I mean, we just, we, we got the people we have and, and our community is kind of built out and, you know, and whatever. But these, these are, again, the all people thing, the, the concept is we're going to keep going after who a God has put in our midst, mm-hmm. because all of us need to experience the freedom that comes from knowing that my my debt has been paid, that blood has been spilled by the God of the universe, so that I can live free from 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 my my sin, my ugliness, my past, and all that kind of stuff. That's a that's such a that's the message. That's our core message. And as we've been saying, you know, we talk about evangelical. And free, and 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 I, we are the evangelical free church of America. And when you when you understand that evangelical has to do with gospel centered, it's for it's for everybody. We're all we all bleed the same blood. We live in different parts of the world, but we bleed the same blood. And then the free is we have we are liberated to be bold and creative and daring and innovative, in how we get that message into the hands of people. We're free to try new things, to 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 talk to Alex and say, how do we get a language-specific congregation in our context? How do we do something for, for, for those who are disabled in our congregations? When you put those two words together, it is an unstoppable combination if you really live those two things out, if you really take those two words seriously. That's why I'm, I just can't think of a better, a better a two words that better characterize what the church should be and, and, and what the church should do um, in, you know, in, anywhere. So... And it, and it fits with all people so well. Yes. Yep. Church is about people. Absolutely. So so um, real. Then one last thing: immigrant hope. We don't have time to talk about it all, but yes. but immigrant hope is another ministry based in where? Well, immigrant hope is a ESCA national initiative. It's no yeah, because sometimes people ask me, "Well, you got, you invented that?" I said, "No, no. This is an EFCA." Mm-hmm. a national initiative uh, that we had many years ago to help um, to be you know to offer honest low cost advice uh, immigration advice we we are also you know when you talk about immigrant well immigration is an issue mm-hmm. we want them to be become legal uh, you know to become a productive part of this the society and if they are and uh, and guess what we through all that process I will say many, you know, I don't know, I don't have the numbers, but there's a lot of people who have become believers through the immigration process of Immigrant Hope. Immigrant Hope have have 10 uh, centers in the U.S. And uh, we actually have two centers, uh, one in Santa Barbara, California, and one in La Mesa, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, uh, La La Mesa, right? Oh, it's just Mesa. It's not not La Mesa. It's not La Mesa. (laughs) It's Mesa. We keep it it simple out there in the desert. (laughs) And uh, so we do have two centers in our own district. And we we present uh, a lot of uh, 
you know, we're bringing hope to the people. Yeah, and really what, what, what it is, is it is basically pro bono legal advice services to, to illegal immigrants, undocumented immigrants, whatever you want to call them, who are here, not in this country legally, but who want to gain and, legal and, status. And, and documented too, because we do a lot of residency and U.S. citizenship. Okay, so documented as yeah, well. Yeah. Okay, so people who are having immigration issues and that is not, and that, that they need help. And a lot of times what happens is, you know, they'll, they need to pay like $1,500 to an attorney just to talk to them, mm-hmm. which they can't afford. And then they, they, that, gets them, that gets them like, that cracks open the door and they go, well, if you want to take the next step now, it's 6000 Yep. And right. And then they, and then and they no, can't. And no guarantee, guarantees that it's going to happen. And no guarantees. And so these guys are just, these, these people are getting just bilked and then, and then, and they're not getting any answers. What we have the opportunity to do is set up these centers around our district. And then as, as they are giving them actual help, they're also bringing the gospel message. And it's an amazing, by the way, you have to know, this is not an underground deal. It's, it's the, it's Department of Justice. Uh, yeah, we are accredited by the Department of Justice. Accredited by the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. Yes. The United States is a 100% aware of what's going on. Um, if, if you are somebody who, who wants to actually solve the immigration problem or be a part of the solution rather than just, you know, staring at the news all day or, or complaining or whether you're like an open borders person or what, what, you know, wherever you fall in that continuum of immigration, this is not a political movement. This is actually the church coming together to say, we can, we can do something proactive about this. We can offer solutions mm-hmm. because the solutions don't happen at the government level, no matter which side you're on. They happen at the local level. They happen among individuals. They happen in communities. They happen in churches. I believe that the gospel-centered church is the hope of the world, not just any church, but the gospel-driven, gospel-centered church is the hope of the world. And this is one of the things that we can do. And, and actually, Immigrant Hope is open to serve the church. So if you have a questions, they can actually come to your church. They can come with me in the package and, 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 and give you the instruction and help your pastor, your Hispanic pastor, or anybody to bring uh, uh, legal services to your own church. I love it. Hey, Alex, this has been a fantastic congregation. I want to remind people to go to alex.rivero, R-I-V-E-R, at efca.org to be able to reach out to you there alex are there any dumb questions no 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 the only the only dumb question is no question question that you don't ask is the question you don't (laughs) ask so reach out use them as a resource that's one of the beautiful things about being affiliated with the evangelical free church is we have we have fantastic resources to help you even if you're not affiliated with the evangelical free church reach out to us we want to be of service to you as best as we possibly can. If you're outside the district, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you, EFCA West is where we are trying to get you the best possible um, help and service you know, to help your church get stronger. And that's really what it's about. And so however we can help you. Then a huge part of that is June 18th and 19th in, at North Coast Church for our district conference. We were joking around yesterday that uh, this is going to be like the best, the best conference that the EFCA has ever had, even better than the first one back in 1884, better than the one in Boone, Iowa. <laughs> it's going to be better than Boone. Well, I don't know how, but it will be. They didn't have Chick Fil A back there in Boone, Iowa, and 
we will and all kinds of other stuff <laughs> and barbecue and it's going to be great other than that thanks a lot and uh, for listening to our podcast once again i'm tim jacobs district superintendent of efca west and your host of today's podcast and we will check in with you next time thanks a lot <laughs>